The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about a great many things of privacy, including Do Not Track. And we have a wonderful guest coming to us all the way from Washington, D.C., and how I found him. I was reading his testimony in a blog, and I thought, this is a guy i got to have on the show, and I have talked to him, and I think you're going to very much enjoy what he has to say and be really enlightened. Tell, let me tell you a little bit about Justin Brookman, who is with the Center for Democracy and Technology. In fact, he's the director for the CDT that's there at their uh initials uh, for the CDT's Project on Consumer Privacy. Justin coordinates CDT's advocacy on corporate collection, use, and retention of our personal information. And the, he, this includes efforts to enact comprehensive privacy legislation in the United States and to strengthen privacy laws in Europe. Justin also has testified, as I said, I've read his testimony, before the House and Senate Committee on Location Privacy and Data Security, as well as the general need for stronger consumer privacy protections. He also leads CDT's work on behavioral advertising and the development of the Do Not Track, which we talked about a few minutes ago. And he serves as editor of the Compliance Specification in the World Wide Web Consortium and their standardization process. And under, um, under Mr. Brookman's direction, CDT has filed formal complaints with the Federal Trade Commission against companies that violate consumer privacy, and free expression rights. He also runs the Internet Privacy Working Group, a diverse set of privacy stakeholders, including industry participants and other advocates, to formulate best practices guidelines and inform CDT's own views on emergency emergent privacy issues. So, you know, there's so much more I could tell you about him. His past, I got a kick out of it, that he got... Um, his uh, law degree from New York University, uh, and also he lived in Charlottesville and got his BA at University of Virginia. So we had a lot in common, and I'm just thrilled to have him on the show. So thank you so much, Justin, for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. So I should ask you this first. How is it that you got into privacy? Um, so I start actually in my former job. I worked for the New York Attorney General's office, um, and uh, I had worked at a law firm for several years. And I wanted to do more public interest, public advocacy work. Um, 
back in 2004, and Elliot Spitzer was the Attorney General of New York, and he oh. was doing pretty interesting, aggressive consumer protection work. Yep. And so um, I ended up interviewing, and I got put in the Internet Bureau. Um, oh. And I was like, what does the Internet Bureau do? And I'm like, well, we're trying to figure that out. I mean, we're trying to do consumer protection cases online, um, which no one was really doing at the time. The Federal Trade Commission um, was relatively dormant during that period, though I think starting to ramp up on some of these issues. Um, and so... You know, I first got active on issues like spyware and adware, which you remember back in the in the mid two thousands, you'd you know download a, a program and then it would get bundled with dozens and dozens of of adware programs that right. would just do pop up ads on your computer. And there wasn't really any law saying you, know, you can't do that, but there was a general prohibition against deceptive behavior, um, very similar to what the FTC uses. And so we started going after um, companies for doing that. And so we. Um, we did a bunch of cases on a, on a wide variety of topics, um, and some on privacy. You know, there's not a lot of affirmative privacy law, but when you know c- companies would make a representation and then violate it, um, we would br- we brought some actions based on that. Um, and so, just general consumer protection. And then, you know, during the course of the of the, the, the 2000s, um, privacy just got to be more and more of an important issue. Um, um, the FTC started looking at it really closely. Um, you know, spyware and adware or adware kind of went away. Um, but other issues, people started to realize, oh, there's a lot of information about me out there. I should have some control over it. Um, and so then from there, I ended up, um, I mean, I, I stayed on through uh, uh, Attorney General Cuomo's administration, became chief of the, of the Bureau, and um, we were getting more and more complaints about privacy issues. And then eventually, um, I had the opportunity to join the Center for Democracy and Technology. Um, working on consumer privacy issues exclusively. And it's fun because you're right where all these, uh, this legislation is coming about. And, you know, really, there's so much going on in privacy in D.C. and they're dealing with this every day. So that was a, a real opportunity. And in Washington, D.C. is fun to live there, too. So, yeah, I mean, they've been kind of dormant for a while, right? I mean, some of these issues um, kind of first came up at the end of the 1990s and people started to realize how behavioral advertising works. Um, you go to a site, cookies come down to your computer, they can watch you from site to site. Um, and Congress held hearings in the, in the 90s about this, and there's like Senator Hollings from South Carolina um, and some other folks. And then, you know, the administration changed, um, 9-11 happened, and the privacy, you know, kind of went away for, for five, six years, which just um, wasn't the, the focus of attention. Right. Um, but then like, there has been more and more and more interest, um, you know, bipartisan interest um, here in D.C. On, on, on the issues. Um, and we're kind of gratified that people kind of get that ah, there's not a lot of control we have right now. Right. And I think one of the exciting things about being working in the attorney general's office in New York is that you could take enforcement action easier and faster than the Federal Trade Commission because they, you know, it just is you could really jump in there quicker because it seems to me there's so many things that the Federal Trade Commission is trying to work on. And the attorney general's office in New York, you you could really do those enforcement actions and have, uh, I think, um, a quicker response in, in terms of getting something done. I think that's right. Yeah. I mean, like the, the first case I had, you know, we, we um, took about, you know, five, six months um yeah, usually the Federal Trade Commission, they they get a complaint, they they start working on it. It takes up to two years. Um, yeah. You know, they've done they've done some quicker stuff um, on the Google uh, uh, um, Safari case. Um, they they brought that pretty quickly uh, after that happened. But by, um, I think they recognize, you know, two year lag time is probably not good enough. But 
certainly back when I was there, you know, we thought we had the advantage because um, you know, there's a lot of you know red tape built into the FTC. I think some of it for right. good reasons, so you, you don't kind of go off the rails and is, you know decisions should be considered. Right. Um, I think you know attorneys general tend to be a little more flawed by the seat of your pants for better and worse. Um, but there is a better side to it. And so you have a constituency that's, that's much smaller. Oh yeah, I mean, the inter- my bureau was is like a you know two, three, four people depending on when I, when I was there. Um, and then the, the the people above me, there's like a couple layers, but it wasn't like a lot of layers, and right. you know, had pretty regular access to you know to the chief of staff and the attorney gen- attorneys general, both of them. Um, even when I was a line attorney under under Spitzer, um, you know, he liked the cases. I mean, he was you know he had the, the the reaction a lot of people have when they hear about privacy issues, like ah, this is wrong, um, go get them. Um, right. So it, it was, I think, I think um, an advantage. Yeah. So also, so you, you were probably excited to come to CDT. So tell us about the organization, the work that you do, and why it was uh, so exciting for you to come there. Sure. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a nonprofit uh, group working here in D.C., working on a lot of issues. A lot of them are privacy issues. Um, so a lot of our focus recent uh, weeks and months and years, I guess, but certainly uh, recently, um, has been on government access to information um, vis-a-vis, the gov- vis-a-vis um, people, vis-a-vis you know, however they can collect it. Um, we do a lot of work on trying to reform our government access laws. Um, we have a health privacy project, and the health privacy is one area that there are regulations out there, um, so we do work on that. We work on net, sorry, um, work on net neutrality. Um, uh, it's a big issue for us. We're, we're um, supportive of that, and um, we work on copyright issues to make sure that um, copyright enforcement is done in a, in a, in a sane way. Um, free speech. We're you know strong proponents of, of free speech online, um, and then privacy. You know, commercial privacy is my my um, issue area. Um, you know, I, I, I'd always liked the work CDT did when I was in the, in the New York Attorney General's office. They also were doing a lot of work on adware and spyware back in the day. Um, you know, they were working with the companies to try to find ways to, to block it and to stop it from happening. Um, so I had some good relationships with, with um, folks there. Um, they, uh, they offered me a chance to come down, um, uh, uh, at least for a fellowship, and then I ended up staying here because um, I liked it, and I guess they liked me. And um, like you said, I mean, it's just an area that's incredibly active and dynamic and changing right now, and I, and I felt it gave me the opportunity to actually, you know, move the needle to actually do things, um, um, which is, you know, <laughs> it's hard, especially in a, in a town like Washington. It sounds, feels like things never move. Right, right. So what are some of your biggest concerns about privacy in the coming years? Um, yeah, I think uh, you know, the biggest thing is just it's harder and harder to turn off the, the spigot of information about ourselves to, to live our lives unobserved to some extent. So you go to a website, and you know, it used to be maybe a couple of cookies would get dropped. Um, and now it's like it can be dozens. Um, you, know, um, you, you, walk, you walk around with your phone, and every six seconds your phone is signaling back to the phone company saying, here I am, um, uh, kind of leaving a, a breadcrumb trail of all the places that you go. Um, there's your cell phone sends out signals, like unique signals that can be picked up by anybody who knows how to look for them. Um, you're increasingly seeing CCTV cameras and drones. Domestic drones are coming to the United States um, uh, for commercial use. Right. Um, and so, you know, you, you, a lot of the talk has been about you know things like Google Glass is just you know easier and easier to collect information about people. And to store it, right? I mean, storage is cheaper and cheaper. Um, uh, you, you can store information in the cloud forever and ever. And also, the, the analytical capabilities, I think, are a lot better. It's, better. it's easier for companies to correlate what you do um, across time and across different services. And so, you know, Google Glass doesn't actually bother me that much today because in many ways it's not much different from what your phone can do. But 
if Google Glass were, you know, or whatever, were, were um, paired with facial recognition technology, um, you know, such that you can walk down the street and see in real time who everyone was, you know, the technology's not there today, but I think it will be there in the medium term, let's say, you know, 15 years, let's say, give or take. Um, and so the question is, what kind of policy protections can we put in place today to forestall that, I mean, if we want to forestall that, I mean, I think there's probably benefits to it, but I think there are there are concerns too that you, know, you can't ever just walk outside and not and be anonymous, right? I mean, I, right. Can, I can I can walk down the street and not expect that people are going to know that's Justin or be able to look up who is that guy. Um, or just think about kids, like if you get some child molester walking down the street and they have the Google Glass on and and they can focus on a kid, the facial recognition, and they go up and they go, hi, Susie Q, right. you know, and Susie Q, you know, your mom just told me to come and get you. I mean, there's so many things that could happen when they know that information about you, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you're kids or if, you know, if you're a young woman, do you want the, the people and anyone at a bar to be able to pull up your Facebook right. profile in real time right. to, find, to, to, to search you against a data broker database and find out where you live? Right. Um, you know, this is all information that is, you know, loosely available about us today. But then, the, when, you know, as the analysis gets cheaper and easier and better um, and more reliable, you know, are you going to be able to stop that from happening, that time to get right. it from happening? Um, what can you put in place to, to forestall that, um, you know, if we decide we want to do that? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, is it something that you can, like, opt into? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll look at your Facebook if you look at mine, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, right. but, I mean, you know, I mean, but then who's going to get it but the bad guys? So can the bad guys get beyond that? Well, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, if there is, like, law in place, like, you know, say it's civil law, <clears throat> you know, you have privacy policy, um, don't use facial recognition in public, perhaps. You know, technologically, it's still going to be, Possible, probably, right? And, right. And possibly, and, and not you. You won't know what's happening, right? People can put right. little cameras in their hats right now. I mean, forget about glass. You can do right. much more surreptitious monitoring of people right. um, with other things. Um, you know, and if if there is like some back end database, they can you know search publicly available images and say, oh, that's Susie Q or or whoever. Yeah. Um, it's just you know, there's no way to know that's happening. I mean, I think you can put in place speed bumps, and you can deter, I think, you know, big companies from doing it, um, and maybe make it illegal, and, and, you know, if, and, and then there are, you know, issues about whether you want to do that, because it does, I mean, there are positive innovation, uh, you know, things out there that, that you know, you'll, might be deterring as well. Right. Um, but, like, the real bad guys, um, that's going to be hard, um, and I don't have an easy answer to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you talk about the, the good things and the bad things, I was thinking about uh, today, for example, I, I have a Windows phone, a Windows 8, and I don't, um, I, turn, I don't have the thing where they can locate me. You know, I turn that off. And so um, I'm sure that with the towers and everything else, they know where I am. But basically, I don't just I don't just keep that on all the time unless I'm like looking for I'm lost and I'm looking for a place and I turn it on. But, you know, it's I I was looking for um, an address and I wanted to see it and it wouldn't come up because they said you have to turn this on. And I thought, oh, goodness. You know, maybe I should leave it on, but I didn't want to leave it on, you know. So there are these conveniences that you're not going to have if you don't turn on these things that expose you to less privacy. You know, it's a dilemma. I mean, yeah, I mean, just cell phones in and of themselves, I mean, are just, I mean, just for the basic service is tremendously, tremendously invasive. It is. <clears throat> Verizon Wireless, who I use for my cell phone service, um, knows everywhere I go. I never turn my phone off. I mean, I leave it on at night. I don't have a cell phone. I don't. I don't have a home phone. I just leave my, my cell phone on at night. Right. Like I got. Um. I got an Android phone. It's got amazing battery life. So just leave it on all the time. But it's always, 
blogging where I am. So right. you know, Verizon has that, and so I'm I've I guess come to come to terms with it. Um, what I would like, though, perhaps, are some kind of rules about what Verizon can do with that. Um, you know, can they publish it in their, on their website? Um, yeah, I would, I would not like that result. Right, right. Um, There's probably market pressures against them from doing that. Um, but, but of you know, course, how, how they're going to give it, it. Yeah, they're going to give it to law enforcement, which you know you can kind of understand that. Yeah. But, but if you were to you know get a divorce or something, um, could could the opposing attorney get that? Or if you were in an accident, um, could opposing attorney get that and say, "Well, wait a minute, you went to the skate center and you went to this and you went to that and you went dancing." You know, I mean, there are just, I mean, there's so many myriad ways that this could be used in a way that could slant something that really isn't what it is, right? Yeah, and like people don't think about that. Um, people aren't, aren't aware of it. And, and, you know, if I were to ask, you know, if, if, I, if I were to try to find out, you know, how long cell phone companies, you know, have this data about me and what exactly they keep for how long, it's actually really difficult. Um, you know, privacy policies are required by actually California law. They passed a law saying right. uh, you have to have a privacy policy, but they don't say you have to have a good one. Right. Um, they don't say you have to actually explain what you're doing. Right. Um, it's actually actually a disincentive in the law for um, for saying what you do, right? Because, like I said, the only way to get in trouble is to lie. <laughs> um, the only way to get in trouble is to make a promise. I'm gonna I'm gonna right. um, treat your right. data in a certain way. And this is like what I when I was in the New York Attorney General's office. This is what I looked for. I, I had to kind of find those gotcha cases. I mean, I, I tried to do it in places where someone was doing something affirmatively wrong. But you had to find that hook where they promised something else. Um, well, so, what we tried, you know, I worked on, I, I was on the um, the task force with the, and the advisory board of the Office of Privacy Protection at that time. And when we created these, you know, shine the light laws and, and the privacy policy laws. And our intent was, is that people, you know, that the market would say, well, what is your privacy policy? Well, your privacy policy should be understandable. It, you know, it should explain what you really do. And then, of course, they have been able to get some people because those people were incongruent with their privacy policy. So, I mean, it's a, it's a first step. Better than nothing, right? Oh, yeah. No, I think, I think there's value to it. I mean, I actually think they, um, they could be, you could be a little more prescriptive in saying, you know, have to tell me how long you're keeping the data, you know, right. what you're using it for. But you know, I think the fact of having privacy policies has led to some more disclosure of common practices. I mean, the, um, a lot of the better companies will kind of go out of the way, and they work hard at them. I mean, they, right. they, they, they're, you know, they're torn because they don't want to get in trouble. Um, but they also, you know, especially some of the bigger companies who've had privacy problems in the past, they, you know, privacy has been used against them, so they don't want to be seen as being too sneaky with the privacy policy. Right. So, right. yeah, so, I mean, you know, they're useful to folks like me, um, whose job it is to kind of check on what companies are doing. Right. Um, and they are useful to, to regulators, not just for, to say, gotcha, um, but to understand what's going on in the industry so they can better protect consumers. Right. And they can talk about best practices by looking at those that are better. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there are ways to, to benchmark it. It's hard because, you know, we've actually tried to do that to try to, you know, stand, have some sort of standard measure by which you can kind of um, judge privacy policies. And it's tricky. Um, yeah. You know, there's a website called Privacy Choice um, yes. that does a decent job of that, um, kind of saying, you know, which websites have, have um, good rules in place, which advertising networks have good rules in place. But it's, it's arbitrary, right? I mean, I, but again, I think, you know, better than nothing. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about Do Not Track, because you've been working on that and trying to get that added to web browsers. And why don't we talk a little bit about that? Because people don't like the idea of being tracked. Yeah. So, you know, for, you know, for years, privacy advocates have been concerned about online data collection, that 
when they go to like New York Times, they kind of get that they're going to New York Times, and New York Times might remember them over time and suggest different articles to them or whatever. <clears throat> they kind of get that they're sharing something there that might be remembered. Um, what they don't necessarily expect is that third parties are going to be there. You know, advertising companies will drop a cookie and then you know watch that cookie as it shows up on other sites. So to track you from you know New York Times to ESPN to LA Times to potentially you know more uh, embarrassing websites. And so for years and years, advocates said, well, we should have, you know, you should have to opt into that because you don't know what's going on. And industry said no. But industry did say, well, you know what, if you go out of your way to opt out, well, fine, we'll let you opt out. You can say, you know, stop tracking us and we'll stop tracking you. Um, but, you know, there's no, there's no scalable way to do it, right? <laughs> you, you can't find every single company and go to them and say, hey, um, I want to opt out of your services. There's no way for an average user to do that. So we right. said... You know, there should be like one do not track setting. You just put, you know, maybe it's in the browser and you click it, and then all the companies out there, you know, hear that and say, okay, I won't track you. Um, and it was, you know, industry has done things kind of close to that. They they set up a website about ads.info you can go to, though that's not really intuitive to a lot of people. You have to go there and you download um, cookies that tell your uh, that tell uh, the companies not to track you. But then if you lose the cookies. Um, if you delete your cookies, then they forget about that. You know, they can still collect data about you, so they can still watch you and monitor you. They just don't serve the ads. And as a privacy advocate, you know, you're kind of more concerned about the, the watching you in the first place. So, you know, it's what they're doing... It's not user-friendly. It's not user-friendly, and yeah. it's, not, it's not understandable by the ordinary user. That's right. I mean, it's, it's good. I mean, I, I, I give them credit for setting this expensive system up, but it's, it's, right. not, it's not good enough. I mean, and like you said, the average user is like, mm, not, not going to easily figure it out. But a setting in the browser, do not track, well, that's a little, a little easier. And yeah. so if someone goes out of their way to say, don't track me around the web, um, you know, we think companies should be able to say, fine, if you, if you send it to us, we're not going to track you around the web. So, right. And, and, and it is, you know, you were looking at the idea that the FTC, like with the do not call, that's been very successful, the do not call list. Yeah, that's but this right. Is no, I mean, it's, this it's is harder. This is harder to, to do it for, for, for web tracking. But you're absolutely right. People sign up for an easy thing. <clears throat> Generally, I don't know who all these telemarketers are, but I don't want any of them calling me. Similarly, I don't know who all these advertising companies are, but just if you can go ahead and <laughs> not monitor my uh, traffic around the web, right. I would appreciate that. Um, so yeah, it's a global opt-out. The companies agree you need an opt-out. Opt-out's okay. We need a way to do it globally. Um, and, and, the and then, you know, people will say to me, well, Mari, how about on Amazon? When I go there and they, and they tell me they're tracking what I buy and they're tracking and they're telling me about new privacy books, you know, like when I go on there, immediately new privacy books come up or, or conflict resolution for my two shows, which I kind of like because I like the idea that these new shows, but, but I would opt into that one, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I think first... So I wouldn't want to opt out of everything. I, I go to Amazon. I, go, I, I yeah. buy lots of stuff on Amazon. Um, I have a relationship with Amazon. Right. Amazon remembers stuff about me. So it's kind of more intuitive, right? I mean, Amazon knows that I bought this power drill. Right. If they offer me a screwdriver, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. But... You know, if I if I go to Amazon and look at certain stuff, and then like I'm on a completely different site, yeah, that's then, not good. Yeah, <laughs> um, information sh- uh, shows up about what I was watching on a different site, right? Um, that's a little more confusing, right? I'm I, 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 I'm like, I mean, who's showing me this ad? Why is it Why is it showing up here? Right. What control? You know, um, who who knows this about me, and how do I how do I control it? Um, and so that's what Do Not Track is kind of des- uh, designed to address. Um, to if you if your concern is I don't want uh, people watching what I do around the web. Um, it's supposed to be an easy setting for you to, to try to turn that off. Um, 
that said, it, it you know sounds easy, but in practice, it's actually really hard because right. these ad networks have to get some information about you just to serve you even a non-privacy uh, invasive ad. So, you know, they need to have your 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 IP address, right, just to know where to send the ad. Um, they need to know what kind of computer you're using, so they can get, have to get get a lot of information about you and. You know, sometimes they might want to use cookies for, like, you know, like security purposes to make right. sure that people aren't click-frauding them. So a lot of, like, devil-in-the-details issues that have kind of dragged the, 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 the negotiations down. So, you know, today the, the browsers all offer this setting. You can, you know, append to all web requests this set, this kind of, um, it's called a header saying, don't track me. But very few ad companies are honoring that today. Mm. Um, and, so and that's because there's no legislation that they have to honor it? Oh, well, that's part of it. Yeah, there's certainly no legislation they have to honor it. Um, you know, we're working in, a, in, a, in the web standards group um, to try to get them to voluntarily, when they see this header, send back a, a, a response header saying, gotcha, right? Like, okay, we won't track you. Um, so there's, there's, there are, there's an effort to do this on a self-regulatory uh, basis. Um, but, you know, we've also supported, you know, legislation um, that would, uh, you know, probably require something pretty similar. So, you know, one of our big asks for years has been, we should have some sort of comprehensive privacy law in this country so that when companies, you know, are, are, are collecting information about you using it, they have to tell you. So, you know, yes, privacy policies that make them informative. You know, when they have old data, get rid of it. Um, and, uh, you know, to, to let you opt out um, to certain uses or transfers of that information. Or for really sensitive stuff, you should have to opt into it. You know, if, I, if I'm exactly. looking, at, looking at health websites, right, that's, like, that's really personal stuff. Um, they should have to have my affirmative permission before they share that with folks. Um, and so that, I think that should apply online, and you know, maybe the way it would work online would, would be something like do not track. But it should probably you know, apply offline as well. You know, when I go to the Gap and buy, uh, buy a shirt, um, you know, what happens with the fact that I did that? And right. who, are they, who are they selling it to? I don't know. It's, it's really hard to find out today. Right, right. What else are they going to do with it? I've, I've been an actual an expert on some cases where I saw that some companies, and I won't name their names right now, they were in lawsuits, but they were collecting information and doing whole dossiers on their uh, customers that came into the brick and mortar store and then putting that online and then comparing that with other information that they had so that when people would come in, they could tell them about their children. They knew how much they weighed. It was just pretty outrageous stuff. Yeah, but I mean, you, know, you kind of analogize that to like a small mom and pop store where the guy just happens to know that kind of stuff, right? I mean, where do you draw the line right. say it's too much? Or, you know, the kind of forgetful older guy who kind of like, you know, writes, writes it down, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Or asks the guy down the street. Um, it's really hard to draw the line because, I mean, this is all like truthful information. Um, and, you know, we actually have a strong tradition of First Amendment law that um, applies to corporations as well. Um, that says, you know, corporations have free expression rights and, you know, this stuff, is all just, you know, limitations on using truthful information. Um, So, I mean, it's a hard thing for us to reconcile because, you know, we believe in privacy, but we also believe in free speech. Um, And and they kind of work against each other. But would you believe we are out of time? Totally. So please give the uh, give the website and we will have to have you back again. Okay, um, that was quick. It, uh, it's uh, www.cdt.org. Um, I'm happy to be on again. All right, and people will get a lot of great information. Justin Brookman, you're wonderful, and I just can't wait to meet you in person. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. right here on KUCI and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Thanks so much. Bye.
stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Frank, host of Privacy Piracy, which airs every Monday morning right here on KUCI, 88.9 FM Irvine and KUCI.org in the net. I'm also pleased to present the weekly segment of Orange County Sheriff News and Safety Tips, and today we're welcoming Sergeant Michael Pixomatis, and he's been with the Orange County Sheriff's Department for over 24 years. And he is in charge of the community services programs and especially the drug education sergeant assigned to the community services program. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what the community services programs has in, is involved with? Well, we'll be, we'll be glad to, Mari. Uh, community programs is it's a design just to support um, existing uh, drug programs, such as we got the uh, the GRIP program. Gang Reduction Intervention uh, Partnership. We got the Smart Team School Mobile Assessment Resource Team. We have JADE, which stands for Juvenile Alcohol and Drug Education. Um, we have Pride, uh, Pepperdine Res- uh, Resource Youth Diversion and Education. We have the Parent Project, uh, the um, Juvenile Detention Alternative in- Initiative, and we have um, the Community Alliance Network as well are just some of the programs that we kind of work with. I know you do wonderful things over there. And so we're going to have you back again to talk about the drug education program because that's really thing something that a lot of us are worried about and parents especially. So thank you so much. We'll have you again. All right? No, no problem, Mari. Okay, thanks a lot, Michael. Bye-bye. <laughs> 